Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, what's up, C3? Wow. This is awesome, man. What a place. I mean, just the energy. I tell you, I, I get to travel a lot. The energy and just the presence of God in this place is not normal. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but this is not normal. And y'all get to heaven, you're going to want to come back home on weekends. This is awesome. This is awesome. I love it. What a joy to be here. Um, always, always, uh, uh, always a delight to be with your pastors. Um, not only are they, are, are they beautiful people, but truly the most fun, some of the most fun people I've ever met in my whole life. You never really know whether to take you serious or not, you know, a lot of times he's, he's always kind of messing with you just a little bit. And, uh, but I, I, I truly, truly love you guys and have deep, deep respect for your ministries. Uh, I really do. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that we're friends and I'm honored, I'm honored to stand behind this place. You have built an amazing church, both of you. And to hear that you're now launching another campus in this city. Come on, show some love to your pastors, everybody. Come on, really show some love. Come on, encourage them. Encourage them. Exceptional leaders. Exceptional leaders. God must love you guys a whole lot to give you leaders like that. That's just, that's all I can say. I am with my wife of 31 years, everybody. And um, we have five, you want to see what she looks like? Y'all want to see her? Stand up, Tammy. Stand up, stand up, stand up. There she is, everybody. My, there she is. We've been married 31 years. We have five kids. And uh, I know. I always get a reaction. I don't know where the line is, but we definitely crossed it. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, but I always tell people, I don't have five kids because I like kids because I don't. I have five kids because I like that woman right there, everybody. That's why. So you need to bring me back for your marriage conference. I got stuff to say. All right, so. I need to get focused here. All right. It's hard to preach with her on the front row. So I'll tell you that right now. So thrilled, thrilled. Here's what I want to do uh, uh, tonight. I want, I want to, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to communicate to groups. And, and, and honestly, I think you guys have get, get some of the best communication, preaching. I think, you, I think in your pastors, you have some of the best preachers that I know. And, um, and, and inspiration and all of that is extremely important because the world is looking for something real in their lives. They really are. And, uh, but I want to just do some teaching tonight. I want to, in fact, I don't even really, I, I just want to, I just, I want you to imagine us sitting in, in a living room and, and just having a chat. And I want to talk to some leaders tonight. Any leaders in the house? Uh, yeah. So one more thing you might need to know about me that might help you enjoy this time together a little bit more. And that is I'm, our church is in Alabama, but I'm actually a Cajun from South Louisiana. All right. 
And uh, yeah, we, we moved there 16 years ago to plant this church, and, um, and God's been good. We, it's been amazing what the Lord has done over the 16 years of, of our church. Um, but I'm a Cajun from South Louisiana, and I tell you that to lower your expectations, all right? <laughs> because you, know, you want me to tell a boo I might tell you. Well, <laughs> your pastor's saying, tell a Boudreaux joke. Y'all want to hear a Boudreaux joke, yes or no? All right. I don't have time for this. All right, all right, here we go. All right. I, I, I'll actually, no, 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 don't add. You don't need that. I'll tell you one that, you, I'll, I'll actually tell you one that's not only funny, but you can actually, it's helpful. You can use it. So this, this is like good for leaders, okay? So, um, because um, the, the stereotypical uh, Cajun, his name is Boudreaux. And, um, and so they're called Boudreaux jokes, right? So, but Boudreaux, um, and, and his buddies used to uh, all volunteer as coaches for a little, little league. That we called it the Havangelin Baseball League. It's, it's just a bunch of little kids that were that play in baseball. And so they had travel ball. And, and that was always a tough scenario because when they travel, they have to go in hotels. And nobody likes being in the same room. The other coaches don't like to have to room with Coach Boudreaux because he snores so bad. I don't know if you've ever been in the room with somebody who snores real bad. Well, this, this joke can actually help you, all right? So because Boudreaux snores really bad, and they don't have enough money for everybody to get their own room. They, they have, all the other coaches have to take turns being in the same room with him. And so what they decided to do is they would rotate, so you only have to stay one night. So the first night it would be Coach Thibodeau's turn, and, and sure enough, he comes into the breakfast room of the hotel the next morning, and his eyes, as we Cajuns say, his eyes are all bloodshot, and he's all, you know, tired and... And he just walks in there, it looked like he has no sleep. And they said, what happened, what happened, what happened? He said, well, man, as soon as I turn the light off, Coach Boudreaux starts snoring immediately, and I just sit in the bed and watch him all night long. So the next night, it was Coach Guidry's turn, and, and, and Guidry shows up in the little breakfast room the next morning. His eyes are all blood shoot, look like he had no sleep. He just walks around and said, what happened, what happened, what happened? He said, well, as soon as we turn the light off, Coach Boudreaux starts snoring immediately, and I sit there and just watch him all night long. Well, the third night, it was Coach Pierre's turn, and Pierre, a little bit smarter than a mother Cajun, you know, and, and, um, and so he comes into the breakfast room the next morning. He's all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and kind of bouncing around, and they say, what happened, what happened, what happened? He says, man, I just went over to Coach Boudreau, and, and, I, and I tuck him in, and I give him a little kiss right here on the cheek. He watched me all night long, I guarantee you, so. There you go. All right, that's it. I got to get to God's Word. That didn't, you didn't come here for that? All right. So, so get a Bible, everybody. <laughs> Just get your, all right, get a Bible, get an iPad, iPhone. If not, but you can use your eyelids up here. Okay, everybody, all right. Um, I did write a book. I didn't come here to promote the book. I'm the worst author ever, honestly, because I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be promoting this thing, and um, I didn't even bring any. So that's how, I mean, I'm really terrible at this. Um, but it is, it's, it has, um, it's, it's, it's on some bestseller lists right now. It's, it's done extremely, extremely well. I'm surprised by it. In fact, the, the, I really am, you know, I'm a pastor. But, but, I, I, you know, I, and, but what happened is in 2013, we did a verse-by-verse -verse series through the book of Daniel. And I thought it would just be just another series. I didn't really, I thought it was good, but I just, it was just another one. I've been doing this 30, you know, 34 years now, so I've been doing this a long time. And, um, but, but it kept getting watched and rewatched and rewatched. And we, re, we, we realized we had struck a nerve because basically the thesis of the book of Daniel is, you know, Daniel and his Hebrew friends go into a pagan culture called Babylon and they never bowed to the culture of their day. Check it out. But they, but, but they had influence in the culture at the same time. Now listen to me, listen to me. Most, most Christians think you've got to pick one or the other. 
So if you, if you stand strong, nobody's going to like you. You know, you, but you're right, but, but they hate you, but you're right. And you kind of learn this dogmatic, argumentative, strong stand, but kind of a jerk, really, to be honest with you. But, but you're right, but just nobody's following your God. But you're right. And that's, that's not right. God never called us to be right. He called us to be effective. So you need to know that, all right? So, but then there's a whole other group of Christians in our culture right now who are pushing the Bible aside in the, in the name of love, actually thinking they love God more than God, that they love people more than God loves people. Because they would tell people, oh, a loving God would never ask you to give up that. When really the most loving thing uh, our loving God does is call us out of our sin. Isn't that right, everybody? And most people really don't know how to stand firm and love well at the same time. Daniel did. And by the way, your God did too. Jesus did too. If there's one verse that describes Jesus, it's, I don't have this on the screen. I'm just, if there's one verse though that describes Jesus, it's John chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, He came into the world full of grace and truth. He was able to bring the perfect balance of the two. Anyway, I think that the Daniel dilemma is the dilemma that all of us are in. Because we have people uh, that don't agree with what, we, with, with what we believe, and we're trying to figure out a way to stand strong in our love for God and have influence in our culture at the same time. And so anyway, I wrote, I wrote this book to help Christians do that, and it really has it struck a nerve uh, in, in the body of Christ. And so um, it's, if you, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't bring any, but um, I've been happy to send one for every. In fact, I'm going to send one for the 150 leaders that are here uh, that graduated. I'll just send them a copy, okay? That's on me. I want to be a blessed. So I, I, I'm going to send one for you guys, all right? So I don't know how you're going to get them to them, but I'll send them to you if you'll give it to them your graduates tonight. So uh, by the way, I honor you guys. Thank you for running the course. Come on, give them another hand, everybody. Give them another hand. So, so for the rest of you who didn't do it, just go to Amazon or whatever and get it yourself. All right, so there you go. Um, in, in the end of the book, though, at the end of the book, I did write a chapter on uh, a little bit of what I want to speak on to you tonight because it is my favorite leadership verse in the entire Bible. So I'm going to give you my favorite leadership verse in the entire Bible. It's in Daniel chapter 6. I don't want to put on this. Is it going to be behind me? There, okay, I want you to watch this. Because Daniel, remember, Daniel never bowed to the Babylonian gods. But every administration that he served, and most scholars believe he served at least, he absolutely served three, maybe four. By the way, you young people, he came into Babylon probably 16 years old. And he served God faithfully. Listen to me, listen to me. He wasn't just faithful to his God, but the, but, but the culture was asking for his opinion on things. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar, who, who was, uh, you know, was willing to throw them into lion's dens and fiery furnaces, converted and followed his God. That's how much influence he had, all right? So, so now he's doing his third leader now. This is the third leader. He's this guy named Darius. So Babylon keeps, keeps getting new leaders, and Daniel keeps getting influence into those cultures. And it says it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. In other words, Darius thought, man, I need a bunch of mayors. I need to get, I need to get some leaders in, in my kingdom here. Keep going. With three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So I'm going to have all these people in charge, but I'm going to get, I need three people to be in charge of the people who are in charge. And I'm going to get two Babylonians, but let's use Daniel too, because he's such an incredible God. Now watch this. And the satraps were made accountable to Daniel and these other two so that the king might not suffer loss. Keep going. 
Now, this is the part, this is my, this is my favorite leadership verse. This is verse three. It's my favorite. Oh, it's, it's, it's a great thought. And it says, Daniel, watch this, so distinguished himself. Now, stop right there and notice something with me. He wasn't distinguishing. So there was nothing about him that was, that was special inherently. He decided to develop himself and become distinguishing. He distinguished himself. I just want you to see that. Watch this. And he did it with not the fact that he could play a guitar or sing or preach or, or talk well or was real smart or it was by no skill set at, at, at all. He distinguished himself by his exceptional qualities. Some translations say excellent spirit. So in other words, it was just the way he behaved. Now listen to me, if you don't know how to sing, chances are you ain't ever gonna be able to sing, all right? And so many of you think that you can only lead when you have certain skill sets or if you have a certain amount of money or if you have certain numbers of abilities. Listen to me, you can become a great leader just by distinguishing yourself with an excellent spirit. Just by the way you behave. Just by the way you behave. An excellent spirit, exceptional qualities. Watch this, watch the rest of it. And when he decided to distinguish himself, so in other words, he was going to stand above all the other leaders by having an excellent spirit or exceptional qualities. Watch what happened. The king says, well, forget about everybody else. I'm going to give you the whole thing. So the king says, oh, you're going to be that way? Oh, well, then I'll give you the whole kingdom. Forget these other guys. I love that because I, I think it shows how every one of us can develop some qualities as leaders that the world takes note of. And listen to me, and when you do, you'll get in charge of things you never thought you'd be in charge of. You'll, you'll have influence beyond your wildest dreams. So the question of these, I wanna break, break it down. Let me teach here for a second, okay? If, if we're gonna look like something, the question is, what should we look like? So if we're gonna have some qualities, what should we look like? And I would argue, this sounds so uh, almost cliche, but we should obviously, we should look like God, right? That makes sense. Then the question is, what does God look like? I want you to think about that for a second. Because there's a verse, you probably know this verse in 2 Corinthians. We'll put it on the screen for you. It says, the Lord is the spirit. It's such a bad English translation, by the way. The word spirit there is the word pneuma in the Greek. And it means, it actually doesn't mean like spirit, like Holy Spirit, spirit. It means it means there's a, there's, a, there's a presence about our God. It, the word actually is, that's the word. Like when God is there, you know he's there because something just came in the room. That's why they didn't have a good word to use, so they just made up a word spirit to put it there. It's kind of, but when the, and where, wherever that is, man, there's freedom. Something changes in the room. And so you think, oh, what a great God we serve because that's the, he just meant he has his presence. But watch what the rest of it says. Keep going. It says, and we who have unveiled faces, and that's basically fancy Bible talk to say you have direct access to God. So we who have direct access to God contemplate or, or we consider the Lord's glory and we are being transformed, read the rest of it with me, into his image with ever-increasing glory. In other words, you can look like that too. I'm just showing you that verse that, to show you that God looks like something and you can look like it too. What really the process of leadership is, isn't a class. It's not a curriculum. It's something happening on the inside of you 
where you don't just learn skill sets, you take on a quality. You take on the same thing Daniel had that made the Darius want to give him the whole kingdom. It's just, and it it happens, watch what, it happens with an ever-increasing glory. The King James says from glory to glory, meaning it's incremental. You'll get it and you'll get a little bit more and you'll get a little bit more and you'll get a little bit more. And it comes from the Lord who is the, okay, so you're getting that everybody, right? So you can kind of take on this same thing. So again, I ask you the question, then if we're going to take on the likeness of God, which is this excellent spirit and these exceptional qualities, sorry, you're in the spit zone right here. So sorry. I'll back up a little bit. I just, I just saw it come out. The lights shone on it and and I felt sorry for you. I'm so sorry, man. There's anointing in this spit, man. Just receive it in Jesus' name. (laughs) I'll get over here. There's a nice spit guard right here. So sorry, my friend. What's your name? What's your name? Ian. Okay. Sorry, Ian. Uh, yeah, Ian. Y'all give it up for Ian, everybody. All right. He's, he's wiping his face right now. Okay. There's an interesting theological. Let me get real little, little, little. If you like heavy teaching, let me get heavy just for like three minutes here. Okay. So seriously, hang on, hang on. Listen to this. So theologians have often debated, like, what does God really look like? And then in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there's, there's a picture of God. And twice in both places, it defines this picture as the glory of God. The word glory in the Hebrew is, is the word kabod, and it means the full weight of who God is. So when you see the word glory, it means the full weight of who God is, which, which is why whenever the glory of the Lord came into the place, remember it says sometimes they couldn't even stand in the presence of God because it's the full weight. It was, it's weighty. It's the full weight of who God is, okay? Um, and so in both places that where it gives this picture of God, it says this is the likeness, this is the image of God. It actually says that. It's found, the first one's in Ezekiel chapter one, and we're not gonna go there. Just, just trust me, it's there. But in the New Testament, it's, all, it's found in the book of Revelation, and John sees it when he's seeing this vision of heaven. And it says in John chapter four, And I'm going to tie all this together. Just hang with me, okay? It says, in the center around the throne, so now he's picturing heaven, there was this creature. It's called the four living creature. And the reason why it's called the four living creature is it's one one body, but it has four heads coming out of this body. Four faces, if you will. And it's covered with eyes and in front and back. And the first face or the first creature coming out of this one body was the face of a lion the second of an ox, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth like an eagle. Now, that's the same four creatures that are mentioned in Ezekiel. And Ezekiel actually says, this is the likeness of the image of God and the glory of God. I mean, it says it that plain. So we know, we know whatever those faces mean, that's what your God looks like. Now, if that's what your God looks like, and we're supposed to be transformed into his likeness, then that's what we've got to look like. And then if we look like that, we get the everywhere we go. And then we also get the, the Daniel qualities, the excellent spirit. I will maintain that Daniel looked like these four, which is why he had this influence. Are you following my logic so far? Okay. So the question now is, then what do those four actually represent? And my challenge to you is very simple. You'll want to take on these qualities. You'll want to ask God, God, give me this face, and now work in me this face, and now God, work in me this face. So let me give you these. If I were to give this message a title, I would either call it uh, Exceptional Qualities, or I would give it the Four Faces of God. 
so just, but let me just give you these four faces. The first, the first face is the face of the lion. If you're taking notes, just, just jot that down, the face of the lion. And all throughout the Bible, the lion always represents power. Boldness, you know, he's the king of the beasts. It's, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, there's, there's power. It's the anointing of God. It's the presence of God in, in our lives, which is one of the faces, obviously, of our God is that our God is powerful. Now, listen to me. It doesn't matter how good you are at what you do if you do not carry the presence of God with you. In fact, the opposite is even more true. You don't even have to have a whole lot of ability if the presence of God is with you. And honestly, I think more people are kind of focusing on developing skill sets, and I'm all about it. Get better at what you do. I'm really all about that. But we cannot, it cannot come at the expense of our time with God. In fact, it says of the disciples, watch this, when they saw the courage, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary. By the way, the word ordinary in the Greek is the word idiotaste. It's where we get the word idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. I don't care what y'all say. That's funny. When they looked at these guys, they have a third grade education. They're just a bunch of idiots. Yet, they were astonished because they had spent time with Jesus. They, they, they took a step back, like these are the guys who were with him all the time. We, we see the presence of God on their lives, even though they don't have much education. And they're really a bunch of idiots. They're a bunch of fishermen. They don't even really know that much. They're changing the world. It's the presence of God. Years ago, I was, um, I, I'm in 34 years of ministry, and I spent the first 18 as an associate pastor before I moved to Birmingham. And, um, and I, I love, in fact, I thought I was, I, my whole goal was to be the best number two guy in the world. I never really wanted to be my own guy. And uh, my pastor sent me down in the, in the mid nineties, sent me down to Bogota, Colombia, because we were a cell church and meaning small groups. We were, we were, we were kind of actually that my church in Baton Rouge was, was kind of leading the way with small groups. And so one of the, one of the most successful churches in the world for small groups was found in Bogota, Colombia. And so he sent me down there. He says, I want you to go down there and study, study these guys. And so we, I jumped on a plane, went down there. And, um, and they, they, had, they have like 100,000 people in the church. Um, they had 40,000 teenagers, by the way, all, all, in small, all in small groups, right? And in fact, the, the youth group just came off, all 40,000 just came off of a 40-day fast. I'm not talking like broccoli. I'm talking like food. I mean, they were, and they were prayer walking the cities and all this kind of stuff. It was just amazing what God was doing anyway. So I was really intrigued by this, by this church. And so the, the brainchild of the small group world was actually their youth pastor. He created, he created the, the system they used. So I wanted to get an appointment with him. And I'm, you got to picture this. They wear full suits, white shirts, ties, this is this kind of church. So I had my full suit on, white shirt, tie, you know. So I'm meeting this guy, and I don't, I don't oblo nothing. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, not even a little bit. So I had to have a, I had to have a translator there. And it was like a, she looked about 20 years old, girl. And, and so you, if you can picture, we were in a room about this size, but just the two of us, with two folding chairs facing each other, and then the translator sitting in a chair between us. And he sits down, and he looks bothered, by the way, by the fact that this, this American came here and interrupted his schedule. Like, I'm nobody. Like, dude, like, I got stuff to do. Make this quick. All right, so we sit down. We do a little pleasantries. Hey, tell him hello. And he does, she does that, and he does, you know, da, 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 you know uh, hello. So, all right, we're good. 
And so, um, so I, I, I mean, I, I'm a real task-oriented kind of guy anyway. So I had, my, I had a yellow pad with a bunch of questions written out. And I was like, man, I'm not going to take much of your time. I just have a few questions. Like, uh, let's start here. Um, how long do the small group meetings last? She she about the same length of my question was the length of her translation, which is what you expected, you know. And he starts, like, I'm looking for a number, like an hour and a half. You know what I'm saying? And she starts translating as fast as she can, and he's not stopping, and he's preaching to me. Like, I'm a heathen dog sinner. I mean, just like I'm lost as... And, I, and I'm like, I'm confused. Like, I'm just trying to find out how long your small groups last, you know. And he's, it, she's just translating as fast as she can. He's preaching like, I mean, pointing his finger, veins and everything's going on. And I'm thinking, he just wants to do a little morning devotional first, you know. So I thought, I went, mm, mm, because I don't know how to say anything else, you know. Like, oh, mm, dude, mm, glory adios, tell him that. This is good stuff, you know. So I'm amening him, you know, I'm just going for it. And, I, and, and, I, and he finishes and just kind of, and I said, man, tell him that was really good. That was really just that's so good. But I also ask him, how long do y'all small groups last? Just like, <laughs> like when they meet in a, in a group, like how, how long, El Tamo, you know, tell me that part. I just need to know. And, and are you understanding? And she goes, oh yeah, I got you. So she translates. He goes for round number two. I'm freaking out. I really like, I'm thinking she's the problem. She's the problem. And I saw so he finishes. I said, what are you telling him? She goes, you want to know how long our small groups last? I said, you're telling him that? He goes, yeah. I said, what's going on? She goes, I don't know. And it dawns on me, I'm asking the wrong question. Like, he, he don't want to talk about that. So I put my pad underneath my chair. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb, but I ain't stupid. You know what I'm saying? So I put it under there. And I, said, I, said, I, said, I said, obviously, I'm asking the wrong question. What kind of question should I be asking you? And then he calmed down. You could see him calm down. Like, finally, this guy gets it. And, um, and, he, he's, and he, I'll never forget this, Pastor. He's, he pointed his finger in my face and said, he says, the only way you can have the success we have if you, is if you win the war in the spiritual You've got to win the war in the spiritual. He says, if you think you can go home and get your, your small groups lasting the same length ours does, but you don't fast and pray and spiritually map the city and walk and get the prayer. Are y'all following what I'm trying to tell you? You've got to win the war in the spiritual. It marked me. I have three events that have marked me in my ministry, and that's one of them. And, and your pastors will tell you, our, our ministry is marked by, by, by fasting and prayer now. We have, we, have, we have this past 21 days of prayer that we have. We have it twice a year. We had 11,000 people at 6 a.m. in the morning seeking God every morning, driving in. From, I, and honestly, the more, you hear, the more you'll hear me speak, you'll know, well, uh, I don't know how his church has grown because he really is not the best communicator ever. I'm telling you, I would rather have the presence of God and the face of the lion than any ability that a man has. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Come on, you got to get the face of the lion. You got to have... The power of God. Now watch this. So as leaders, what do you do? Let me make it real practical. I mean, you got to develop your own closeness with God. Listen to me. You're, you're your pastors are not responsible for that. You are. They can teach you how, but you can't let the church be the only place where you're seeking God and worshiping.
That's what leaders do is they figure this, that they, they, they discipline themselves and they do it themselves, developing your character, developing your calling, the face of the lion. Here's the second face I want to talk about, and that's the face of the man, the man. And what the man represents is relationship, people. Because one of the faces of our God is he's not just powerful, he's personal. He knows how to relate with people. And I'm not sure you can be the leader that God, in fact, I'm, I am sure you cannot be the leader God wants you to be until you learn how to work with people. One of the beautiful things about Daniel is just his, his ability to stand firm but be polite and, and minister and have influence all at the same time. He had, he had this ability to, to love people. And it's critical. I love what uh, it's, it's said about the Apostle Paul in, in um, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, they'll put it on the screens for us. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, we loved you so much, church, that we were delighted to share not only the gospel with you. I didn't just preach to you, but I gave you my life as well. You know, honestly, a lot of leaders don't realize that. They think that ministry is just preaching and it's just, just services and just, it's not. You've got, to learn, you've got to learn the art of spending time and ministering to people. And it's the little things like writing notes. It's little things like honoring a group of people who went through a process and all us standing and applauding and, and just, just honoring and being polite and, and, and little things like writing notes and, and, and recognizing people. And by the way, one of the best ways to recognize somebody is to do it publicly. I mean, just honor, honor them and just, it, I saw your pastor do it. I, don't, I, 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 watch, I watch how people roll, you know, and I watch, he came in and hugged about 10 people along the way and told people how much they appreciates them, came back here and was messing around and loving the game, came over here to the guitars and gave him a big bear hug. The guy's trying to play his guitar, you know, and, and this thing isn't growing just because he spends time with God, although that's very important. This thing's working because these people understand relationship, people, love, honor. Are you following what I'm trying to say to you? One of my disciplines, and I highly encourage it in you, is just the art of writing a note. Man, in a text world, and we've kind of replaced all this artificial communication with beautiful gift giving and, and, and honoring and saying something about somebody and writing a note. I wrote a note to a business guy in our church, Pastor, and, and I went, he wanted me to come by his new business. He sells carpet and a carpeting and flooring, and, and we were going to go to lunch. He goes, oh, I want you to come by and see my new office. I'm like, all right, man, so that's cool. So I went by, picked him up, and when I went in his office, he had framed my note. Now, my note says, love you, appreciate you, thank you. I mean, it was nothing. <laughs> I mean, it was just on a little note card, and he had framed it. <laughs> it was on the wall. And I remember walking out of it thinking, man, that meant a whole lot more to him than it cost me to do. If you notice, Paul did that in his letters. He ends his letters with shout-outs. Man, I want to thank, oh, you know, all these Greek things. Oh, eucalyptus. I like him, Lord God. And, you know, he, he gives all these people, he gives all these people a shout out. But he, he did it, he did it, he did it publicly. One time, by the way, men, you'll want to write this down, you married folks. I, I, I always send Tammy flowers on her birthday. And in um, one year, I had this great idea because she was going out to eat with a bunch of the ladies in our church on her birthday, and I thought, I'm not going to send them to the house where she just sees them, and I said, I'm going to send them to the restaurant. 
What's the what? So, come on, write that down. You'll, you're welcome, all right? So, so the restaurant, front door opens, this giant bouquet, the whole restaurant. And then it's going by the tables and the lady, all the ladies in the restaurant, they don't know who it's going to. It's like, ah, ah, ah. you know, as it's going, they're, they're going through and, and finally it lands in front of her and the whole restaurant, I don't have five kids because I'm good looking, y'all. Come on, somebody. Mm. Smart man right there, baby. That's right. <laughs> Let me get practical. I, I got to go. Y'all, y'all, are, y'all are too easy to preach to. Y'all make me, y'all make me want to preach longer. Stop. Stop it. Stop, stop it. I'm never going to stop. I'll never make 17 minutes and 53 seconds. Stop. All right. But you can do it. Listen to me. Just write these words down. Be a servant. Be a team player and be real. Be a servant. You know what a servant is? Others before self. Always. Always. Say, well, that's just old southern chivalry. No, it's not. It's it's servanthood. Open that door and let somebody walk through first. Get up and let somebody else have your seat. Others before self. Be a team player. We're better together. We're better together. We're better together. And then be real, be honest, be transparent. That's what being, that's the face of the man. Here's the third face. And that's the face of the eagle. The eagle. And the eagle represents excellence. Excellence. You know, when you think about the eagle, you know, the, the, it's the symbol of our country, the eagle. When you see it, you think respect, dignity, honor. It's just, I, I, in the South, we don't see many bald eagles. I actually did a father son camp in northern california years ago um with with my oldest son and we went did some whitewater rafting and when we were going down to the place where we were going to be rafting the father son combo in the back seat said hey i just saw a bald eagle we pulled over like i wanted to see it in real life so we were looking around he goes i said where he goes right up there in that tree and then he clapped i'll never forget this he clapped real loud pow and the canyon just echoed this clap and this eagle just with one flap, boom, came out of that tree. Just one flap, boom, and just, which is so cool. You know, he didn't have to, like, get off the ground. It just, he just went, bam, I'm, in, I'm there. And he didn't fly away. He just kind of like, you messed up my nap. What's up? What's up? What's up? He knew he, he, knew he was cool. He knew he was cool. But what was interesting is the two dads, me and the other dad and the two sons just went. And like I was having a moment, I was like. (laughs) My country tis. I mean, I was having a moment, you know what I'm saying? I I really was. I thought, boy, that is awesome. Listen to me. One of the faces of your God is powerful. One of the faces of your God is personal. But there's another face of your God that is just. Wow, 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 that was done well. I got picked up today by two people, never touched my bags. Showed, when I got to the hotel, there was another one of your team members there to open the door to the car. With, I was already checked in. Here, Pastor Chris, here are your keys. Can I walk you to the elevator? I'm just telling you, that doesn't happen everywhere. I, I, I don't know if you know that or not. And I was, I was even feeling a little like, wow. When you want me back, my brother, you know, <laughs> come back anytime you like, man, to be here. I just, right? 
You know why? Because there's something attractive about excellence. Look, I, I, I actually have a business degree, and um, in my marketing class, I'll never forget this. They said one of the best ways, one of the best ways to get repeat customers to any business is that the customer has to feel comfortable being there. Number one, number one need is to, is to feel comfortable at that grocery store, that, that, that car dealership, whatever. So the obvious next question was, what creates comfort? Hands down, there's not even a close second, excellence. Excellence creates comfort. There's something about the, just the, when things are done right, it's just in order. It's just in order. You read your Bible, every time the children of God put things in order, God showed up. God never showed up in the tabernacle until they put that thing in order. Listen to me. God's not going to show up in your life until your life gets put in order. Listen to me. Didn't, Je didn't Jesus say, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be put in charge of much. So maybe the floorboard of your car does matter. Oh, I didn't say that in church, did I? Maybe starting on time does matter. Maybe, maybe just maybe showing up on time actually means something. When I was on staff, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, and I tell this to you, you, you young people. Listen to me. When I, when I said I was a no, when I'm say, saying I was a nobody, that, I'm not doing some false humility thing. I really wasn't. On my best days, I was a C student. Um, I'm already from Louisiana. We're 50th on every list there is. You know what I'm saying? All right, so maybe 49. Thank God for Arkansas. Come on, y'all. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but when I, when, I, when I say, when I'm saying, listen to me. When I'm saying I was average, I really mean that. I was more than average and very, you would never notice anything, anyone like me. So I knew I had to do the Daniel thing and distinguish myself. And my dad taught me this. My dad was an exceptional person. He, our, the, my, the lawn at my house looked like, looked like he had cut it with scissors, y'all. It was perfect. Everything was perfect all the time. That was, we, we vacuumed our carpet at our house growing up every day before dad got home from work. Just what, and I learned, I used, to, I used to fuss about it. And now I look back and think, dad taught me excellence. I learned just everything in order, all the, dad says, leaders are never on time, leaders are early. We were the first ones everywhere. So when I got a job at our church in Baton Rouge, I'm, now I'm associate pastor in my young 20s, and I just, I had learned, I had a job, but I learned to listen to what my pastor was excited about. Because my dad told me that. He said, he said Chris, he says, your, 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 your boss will all only be excited about one thing. And whatever it is, even, whatever your job is, do it, but be involved in that one thing. Well, our pastor, we bought a, a, radio, a TV station. Our church did. And that's all pastor want to talk about is this TV station, TV station, TV station. Just, oh, just the TV station. Well, when, when they had their first day, I thought, well, I'm, I got another job, but I'm going to show up on this first day when they're going to do their first show at the TV station. Now, he was going to do a live show, a live show, like an Oprah-style interview show, live, though, live TV. And I show up there. It's going to be at 10 o'clock every morning, Monday through Friday. I show up about 10 to 10 because I'm just going to support something he's excited about. When I got into the TV station, first day, they're scurrying everywhere, just running like, what's going on? They said, Pastor Larry's guest is not here. And that just that then they got him on the phone. Where are you? He had some dignitary in our city going to be his first guest. He says, oh, no, I'll be there in about 20 minutes. I'm running a little behind. He goes, you can't. It's live TV. He goes, oh, I thought this was recorded. 
no, it's not. And then they turned to me and said, you're Pastor Larry's guest. <laughs> I am? They throw me, I'm getting makeup on my face now. This five minutes, producer shouts out, what, what, what? So I go in the studio, Pastor Larry's sitting there, my pastor, and he goes, he, and they say, I'm your guest. And I sat down and, and I said, Pastor Larry, what are we going to talk about? Three minutes. I'm like, what are we going to talk about? What? He says, I don't know. I'll ask long questions to give you time enough to think of an answer. I'm like, thank, really? Really? <laughs> Five, four, three. Hello, I'm Pastor Larry Stockstill. Welcome to Lifeline. I'm joined today by my co-host, Chris Hodges. Not guest, co-host. And I was, on, I was on that show five days a week for five years in 300,000 homes. That's a true story. That's a true story. You know why? Just because I showed up. Come on, you have to have the face of the eagle, everybody. I'm telling you. Pursue excellence. Let me give you some practical things. You say, Chris, how, how do I do that? Here, write these down. Do all things well. In other words, don't do them at the level of, of the expectation. Distinguish yourself. Do them better. My favorite thing, staff here, listen to me. You know what my favorite thing my staff can tell me? Hey, guys, I need you to. Oh, Pastor, we've already done it. Oh. That's what I thought. Good job. All right, you know. Do all things well. Do it before I'm asked. I love initiative. My favorite personal quality. I've hired more people just because they, 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 they took initiative and then do more than, than it's expected. Jesus called it going the extra mile. I'm just talking about excellence. Let me finish this message. One of the faces we're going to take on, be transformed in so that we can carry this, this excellent spirit, this, these exceptional qualities, is just the presence and the power of God, the face of the lion. We're going to take on the face of the man. We're going to learn how to relate with people and just treat people well. Well, I'm not a people person. Well, get to be one. Go read a book. Go, you know, just that's fine. Just learn how to. Then we're going to learn excellence. Well, I'm not very excellent. Well, become excellent. Just go ahead and we're, we're going to learn this. Here's the last one, and that's the face of the ox. Okay, I know, I know you don't want to look like an ox, but we're going to be, we're going to be looking like an ox, all right? And the ox, the ox was the consummate, the ox was the consummate servant. The ox would either plow the field or lay his life down as a sacrifice. And here's the quality. Here's the, if we have power, if we have relationships, we have excellence. I'm going to call this one attitude. Attitude. Just, it's just, the answer is always yes. I'm happy to do it. It's just, it's just a, I call it, and around our team, uh, we call it the Tigger attitude. Y'all remember Tigger on Winnie the Pooh, everybody? I grew up, my, my favorite, my kid's favorite show growing up, and now my grandson, I have a little grandson named, named Jackson, and he runs up, as soon as he sees me, he runs up, he sits in my lap, he goes, he, and he wants, to, he wants to see Tigger. I, and I, put, I get on my little phone, you know, and Tigger, Tigger's cool. Because if you know anything about this show, it's really a study in human psychology. Because you have this nervous piglet, and you got this know-it-all owl, and you got this depressed donkey, and you got this naive poo, and you got all these characters, but then you got Tigger, baby. Come on, y'all. Tigger comes in the room with his own song. The wonderful thing about Tiggers, Tigger's a wonderful thing. Y'all know it? Tops are made out of rubber. Bottoms are made out of spring. They bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm the only one. Oh, I'm the only one. You know, you know what I'm saying? Come on, baby. I'm here all day. I'm here all day. Thank you very much. No, don't stop. Stop, don't. Don't stop. 
<laughs> but, it's, it's, but no, 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 listen, this is the line. No matter what you ask Tigger, he, he says, sure, that's what Tiggers do best. You want to go pick apples? Sure, that's what Tiggers do best. You, you want to go ice skating? Sure, that's what, that's what Tiggers do best. You want to take the whole city of San Diego? Sure. Sure. Sounds good to me. That's, that's, what, that's what leaders do best. That's what we do best. Uh, it's, Paul had that. Remember he says in, in 2 Corinthians 6, 6, I'm sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making everybody rich. Having nothing yet having possessing everything. He just refused to take the bad side of the thing. And then when they said, well, you better stop preaching the gospel, we're going to throw you in prison. Would you? That'd be great. I was about that done with Ephesians that I could get it done and I almost had that jailer saved that I can witness to him some more. All right, then, if you don't stop preaching, we'll kill you. Would you? To live as Christ, to die as gain. Come on. You, I mean, the guy, you can't mess with a guy with an attitude that has the right attitude. There's nothing you can do. All right, you want the big grand finale of this message? Listen to this. Listen to me. The face of your God, these four living creatures, Ezekiel 1, Revelation 4, has this face of a lion power, has the face of the man relationship, has the face of the eagle excellence, has the face of the ox attitude. Guess how many gospels there are? Four. You know why? They give the four faces. Say, Chris, where's the face of the lion? The book of John. He showed, he, he, he showed, he showed that this is not normal. He's not a normal God. He's, he's the great I am. He, John was trying to show Jesus and all of his power. There's no genealogy in John. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. Say, Chris, where's, where's the face of the man? The book of Luke. You know, Luke has more parables in it than any other gospel. And what better way to relate to another person than telling a good old story? Ready for this? Luke has a genealogy. Goes all the way back, not to Abraham, it goes all the way back to Adam. Why? He's a man just like you and me. Wow. Say, Chris, where's the face of excellence? Matthew. Do you know that Matthew quotes the Old Testament more than any other? Matthew was an accountant. Matthew dotted every I, crossed every T. It, it, it's meticulously detailed, Matthew is. And if he quotes something, he cites the reference. Only Matthew's gospel does that. Excellence. And then you get the book of Mark. And you ready for this? The other three Gospels have a genealogy. John's is in the beginning. Luke's is Adam. Matthew goes, gives it back to Abraham. Mark doesn't give it to any. To in, Mark starts with the baptism. Mark starts with Jesus just serving and helping people. Because who wants to know the pedigree of a servant? Nobody. Wow. He was just there to serve. And you ready? You know what makes his Gospel unique? It has more miracles. More, more helping where people hurt than any other gospel. And there you have the four faces in the four gospels of our Bible. So what do we do? We say, Jesus, transform us. So let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. We have no hope. You have no, we have no hope of reaching a city on our own ability. I'm very serious. In fact, let me say it this way. The best way to win San Diego is not what we say. It's how we live. 
That's a fact. St. Francis of Assisi said it this way. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. So what do we do? God, make me like you. Why don't you close your eyes and just open your hands right there. I'm going to invite pastor to come back up and take the service, but I just want to pray for you. Let's ask God. He said it would happen from glory to glory. Why can't it happen a little bit, little bit more in all of us tonight? So God, work in us the face of the lion. We want to be closer to you, know you, have your presence and your power. As we cultivate your presence and pray and fast and worship on our own, God, let us take on the presence of God, the power and the anointing. Come on, just receive the more anointing. You have a level now. God, I'm asking you to increase it on every leader in this room. Lord, let us take on the face of the man. Teach us how to relate to people the way you do. Teach us to connect before we correct. Teach us, God, to love the way you did, God, and to honor and to serve and to be a team player and to lift others up. Relationships. Come on, if you have a broken heart over a relationship, be healed in the name of Jesus. God, help us take on the face of the eagle. Excellence. On time faithful with little things god we're just gonna be more diligent we're gonna we're gonna do things well lord we pray god help us with that we pray take it on the face of the eagle come on just receive that some of you need that you need to go home and clean your closet you need to go home and and just take care of something you already have and watch god give you even more and god lord help us just with an attitude like paul and Daniel and Jesus and even old Tigger, God. God, just let us always say the yes. We're not going to be no people. We're going to be yes and amen people, believing the best. Lord, even when we're sorrowful, we're going to be rejoicing. Even when we're poor, we're going to make everybody else rich, God. Even if we have nothing, Lord, we know we possess everything. Lord, give us the, an, an attitude just like Jesus just like the face of the ox. God, I pray a special blessing over every one of these graduating leaders, every leader in this church, God, for the staff and even for these awesome pastors, Lord. Use them, we pray, God. Give us San Diego, God, in Jesus' name, and we'll give you all the glory, God. Come on, let's give Jesus the best praise with God. Come on, give your best, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church. <laughs>